Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. And another incredibly full show. Judy, you've done a wonderful job booking uh, Jane Alexander, of all people. Actress a, Jane Alexander. Yeah, she's a great actress. You know, I've only seen her in Kramer versus Kramer. That's where I remember her. But right. she's done a lot of a films. A lot of stuff, yes. And she's a big animal advocate. She's going to be talking with us today. Also... Many dog owners claim their pets anticipate their arrival. I think that's true. You come home from work, your dog's there. Mm-hmm. Researchers are investigating this phenomenon, and you could get $1,000. Am I reading this right? $1,000 if your dog does this? If you're, Yeah, if you want to participate in the study, they'll pay you $1,000. Well, that's all coming up in just a couple of minutes. Animal communicator Joy Turner. And, uh, of course, the news of the week is that there's a new millionaire in the Millionaire's Club. This one with four legs, that would be, of course, Trouble. Trouble, yes. What a name. I love that name. Uh, Leona Helmsley, the hotel heiress, the late Leona, uh, left Trouble $12 million. Amazing. And, isn't that... I want to know, in fact, let's let's kick off right now. one 405 8405 what would you or your dog do with $12 million? <laughs> Not so much you, but your dog. Because really, dogs have milk bones, a, a spa. Yeah, how much could they spend? Eventually, you'd run out of money. The person that broke the story, in my mind at least, uh, the wonderful columnist, Trey Lee Pierce. Trey Lee, hi. Hi, how are you? Doing very well. I just loved your article. Oh, I'm glad that you found it. It was, well, I'll tell everyone. <laughs> I want to tell all the listeners about it. It's at uh, theglobeandmail.com, of course. Mm-hmm. You, you've always written some wonderful columns. This one really bringing to light what uh, the anatomy of Leona Helmsley's will was about. Yes, and the dog won out. Really? <laughs> I say so. The we, dog was left uh, $12 million in her will, which is the, the highest single amount that she um, that she separated out. It was quite amazing. A couple of grandchildren got nothing for yeah. what, reasons that are known to them. Do we know what those reasons are? No, it hasn't come out yet. So one of the estate lawyers that I spoke to said... The fact that um, that that sort of mysterious element is there and the $12 million at the other end makes it likely that they might want to open things up a little and uh, allow people to contest the will. Um, really well, yeah, I think $12 million. I don't, what, is, what, what does a dog get with $12 million? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how much gourmet food can you buy? That's a lot. And, and gold-plated guess, dinner plates. <laughs> I guess so, and maybe doggy spas. and Caviar. And, doggy butlers and, you know, the, the imagination kind of soars <laughs> when you start to think about what what I could do with $12 million. And you had like a rhine, or not rhinestone, excuse me, diamonds. Oh, of exactly. Course. One, of our, uh, one of our readers uh, wrote in a, a letter to the editor and said, isn't that uh, $84 million in dog money, dog millions? Which <laughs> 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 like, is, like is a lot. Either way you yeah. cut it, this is, of course, uh, protected from taxes. Is it not? Hmm. I'm not an expert there. Let me see. Uh, good question. Yeah. I guess the estate would have paid taxes before this money gets paid out, is, is my guess. Okay, I, I guess so. I got to wonder, though, you know, which is, it seems like it's a, it's a way to protect some kind of money or that there's some kind of other agenda here. That's right. The people who sort of take care of uh, trouble, the, the dog, uh-huh. um, you know, who knows? Maybe this is a nifty way from the beyond, beyond the grave that uh, Leona Helmsley is protecting money from taxes because basically it's what people told me estate lawyers told me that um this is an area that's kind of sort of wishy-washy like you can get away with a bit because it's people administering this money Uh Mm -hmm. the dog can never tell you whether 
he or she is being treated well or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it could be that this means a couple of staff members that, you know, it's their job. And they and, and because it's inside the will, um, it means that they, there are all kinds of meetings and, and dispensations that have to happen legally. So um, unlike if you kept it outside of the will, in which, you know, the case might be that you just say, Uncle John, can you take care of the dog? This stuff has to be done sort of legally and, and paperwork has to be kept up. And you know that, you know, anytime there's paperwork and lawyers and accountants, people are getting money. So. <laughs> sure. Well, I see that. And speaking of staff, I see that since your article, at least one staff member has come out and is suing the dog. Mm, yes. Interesting, huh? Yes. <laughs> what does the dog do? Are there doggy lawyers? Um, very interesting stuff. Well, and, and that's exactly, I guess, the point of a lot of the lawyers that I talk to, that when you do something that appears pretty outrageous like this, you open yourself up for um, other lawsuits and, and people contesting the will. If it was a more modest amount, you know, in her world, um, a more modest amount of, I don't know, a million dollars, it might not have raised eyebrows <laughs> quite as much, and, and it all may have, you know, I may never have written about it. How old is Trouble? Good point. No one has said that. Because dogs can live a long time. They, they sure can, and of course, trouble will have no trouble finding a guy now, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Like Doggy gold diggers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I see that you did a lot of research putting together this article. I'm wondering, are you noticing more people are establishing trusts for their animals than ever before? I am. I've had a few calls from people who, I mean, they're more modest amounts. Um, here in Canada, I found... Lawyers that said they set them up for you know about fifty thousand dollars or up to two hundred thousand dollars, which sounds like a lot. But if your dog lives for say ten years after you die, mm-hmm. you have to cover the, the food. Say some people are setting up kennel arrangements where they agree ahead of time that the dog will go to a certain kennel and be you know treated well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things those things aren't cheap. So it sort of makes sense, and it makes sense for people you know for whom their dog is the most important thing in their life and. And so it's not uncommon, although a lot of estate lawyers did sort of chuckle when I called them, knowing that this is sort of the hot topic in, in that world, uh, at least for a few days. Well, you know what? I'll take it, because last week it was Michael Vick. This is much cheerier. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> are there Good humane point. societies that are uh, helping for yes. pet trusts? What's happening? With yeah, them? How are they, they getting involved? They do some neat stuff. So the Humane Society here um, and the SPCA is starting to do this and look into it. At the, at the very bare bones, you can um, call them up. Um, when you're when you're working on your will and and get them involved in terms of you can prepay um, the fees that would you know there's a surrender fee when you need to give up a pet to these organizations you can prepay that and agree with them that they will adopt the pet out it's it's great for the the organizations because they have a a, a willing and living uh, pet owner to tell them about the pet so any special needs or anything like that 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 um, Often when a dog shows up at those organizations, they don't know anything about. Uh So it can be very simple like that. And if the dog is old, um, the Humane Society can can plan to waive the adoption fee because, you know, a lot of people go and they they want a little puppy. So they, you know, will try to make it easier for that pet to find a new home. Mm -hmm. And then at the other, sort of the the bigger levels um, where you might want to pay some money, um, they will oversee... A pet trust. They'll help. They'll do sort of two medical visits a year, report back to the people looking over the estate, um, and help you kind of, well, help you spend the money, but help you sort of make sure it's all above board and and in the best interests of the pet, which I think is really important. And which which the Leona Helmsley case kind of raises some questions of, you know, just how will 
trouble be treated. <laughs> is, <laughs> is that the main point of that? that well, I don't uh, want you to fear at all because in just a few minutes we're going to get animal communicator Joy Turner on the phone and we'll find out what trouble says. Awesome. Yes, that's great. <laughs> we, well, we, we forget what we got. We should ask trouble. I mean, exactly. he, he, she would know the, the best. Well, that's another thing. I think, yeah, animal psychologists and so on, they, they have fees. So, you know, if you want to make sure that trouble's okay, maybe the, in addition to the veterinarian, you'll have other professionals looking after her. I'm thinking there so. <laughs> Trey Lee, we thank you so much for spending time with us. Once again, theglobeandmail.com is the website of the Globe and Mail. Trey Lee Pierce joining us. I want to know, what should trouble do with $12 million? Do you have any ideas? Ah, uh, I, I can't. Can't. It's too much money for me to even imagine. Twelve million dollars. What should trouble do with the twelve million dollars? Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Martha. Hi, Martha. How you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm doing okay. Now I know what I would do with twelve million dollars. What do you think trouble would do with twelve million dollars? Hire a shrink. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update made possible by the Simple Solution Natural line of 100% biodegradable pet care products. Secondhand smoke killing our pets. I'm Hal Abrams. A U.S. veterinarian said recent studies show how secondhand smoke is a health threat to house pets, such as dogs, cats, and birds. Dr. Carolyn McAllister says secondhand smoke has been associated with oral cancer and lymphoma in cats, lung and nasal cancer in dogs, and lung cancer in birds. It's a study at the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts that found that incidence of mouth cancer was higher for cats living with smokers. You see, cats constantly lick themselves while grooming. Therefore, they lick up the cancer-causing carcinogens that accumulate on their fur. Dr. McAllister says this grooming behavior exposes the mucous membrane of their mouth to cancer-causing carcinogens. And a study at the Colorado State University says there's a higher incidence of nasal tumors in dogs living in a home with secondhand smoke compared to dogs living in a smoke-free environment. Apparently, longer-nosed breeds of dogs are more likely to get nasal cancer, while shorter or medium-nosed dogs had higher rates for lung cancer. Get more breaking animal news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by the Simple Solution Natural line of 100% biodegradable pet care products. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Earth-conscious consumers have an eco-friendly choice in pet care. The Simple Solution Natural line of 100% all-natural pet products, 100% biodegradable training pads, biodegradable even by California standards. They'll biodegrade faster than an orange peel. Also, Simple Solution Natural Pet Stain and Odor Remover, a great alternative to harsh chemicals found in traditional household cleaners. Simple Solution Natural, based on a way of life.
Find Simple Solution at Petco, PetSmart, or your local pet retailer. Did you see the paper? They mentioned cloning animals for food. Seriously? I thought cloning was still pretty experimental. It is. Most of the animals die or are born with some sort of health defect. So why is the FDA going to approve it? I don't know. It's upsetting that the FDA seems to be ignoring scientific evidence that animals in cloning suffer. And the FDA says that it won't even label cloned foods. That's outrageous. Yeah, and we could be eating meat or drinking milk from cloned animals and not even know it. Is there anything we can do to stop this? You can. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society at www.endanimalcloning.org to learn more about the problems with animal cloning and to help keep cloned food off grocery store shelves. Cloning animals for food is not just about food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues have been ignored for too long and must be considered. To learn more, visit www.endanimalcloning.org. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Buddy, don't do that. Don't worry. Lots of dogs eat grass. Didn't you hear? Dogs can get worm infections from eggs and larvae in the grass. Those parasites can even infect humans. I know. That's why I give my dog Safeguard K9 Dewormer twice a year. It's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major intestinal worms that infect dogs and to protect my family against infection. Where can I find out more? Just visit www.safeguard.com. That's S-A-F-E hyphen G-U-A-R-D dot com. Every year, there are millions of pets in animal shelters across the country just waiting for a loving home. I'm Mike Farrell with a very simple message. If you're thinking of getting a pet, please adopt. To easily locate your closest place to adopt, call Pets 911 toll-free at 1-888-PETS-911. It's easy, it's free, and it gives a pet a second chance at life. Together, we can ensure a better future for our pets. For adoptable pet listings in your community, go to Pets911.com. Pets911, proud to be partnered with Animal Radio. Hey, you know anyone who has owned a pet can tell you nothing is more frustrating than their pet soiling in the house. Often they do this in one spot, over and over and over again. There's a reason why your pets do this. Pets are attracted to their own unique body scent, which is known as their pheromone. And that pheromone is always left behind in every soiling. Therefore, it's natural for your pet to follow his keen sense of smell and go back to it. So the question is, how do we get the pheromone out so our pets stop resoiling in the house? Well, the good news is there's finally an answer. It's Get Serious Stain, Odor, and Pheromone Extractor. Get Serious is the only stain and odor remover with the ability to remove your pet's pheromone while also getting out the urine odor and any stain. Stop blaming your pets for resoiling when you used a cleaner that didn't get the pheromone out. And don't spend another minute cleaning up unnecessary repeat accidents. Pick up Get Serious today at PetSmart or visit PetSmart.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. In just a couple of seconds, the world-exclusive premiere of Trouble. No one's spoken to her. We're going to speak to her also. I throw in this. Jane Alexander, actress Jane Alexander. <laughs> uh, she'll be joining us in a couple of minutes also. It's a bitch, girl, but it's gone too far. Cause you know it don't matter anyway. Twelve million dollars for that rich Wow. I I can't imagine. What would you spend twelve million dollars on? One eight six six four oh five eight four oh five. I know what I would spend twelve million dollars on. What do you think trouble is gonna spend this money on? Uh, hi, who's this? Hi, this is Helen, I'm a smoker. 
Uh, you're a smoker? <laughs> I'm, I'm a smoker. I, I just got spend a little bit on smoke. Oh, well, you know, we just learned a little earlier that secondhand smoke can be very dangerous for your pet, Helen. I just thought I yeah. would tell you that just in case you didn't know. But it is a good weight plan. It's a good weight loss plan because I've lost eight pounds with my last lung. Yeah, and you sound very attractive, too. Very, very attractive. Thank you, Dollface. Big fan of your show. Well, thank you so much. So, okay, uh, you have a dog. It has $12 million. What do you think a dog, I mean, milk bones will last only so long? I, my thought was to send Michael Vick a special present, a special welcoming present down at the uh, the institution they're going to put him at. A special uh, visitor down at prison. Princess loves Michael Vick and all that he's done for the pit bulls. I think Princess would like to spend Michael, uh, send Michael, uh, you know, some special, you know, doggy style yoga down dogward kind of thing. <laughs> yes. I'm a little bit sorry I opened up the lines. one 405 8405 Helen, thank you so much for calling today. Thank you. Love you. Leftover pizza can be a real treat, but leave the reheating to humans. Skylar, a golden retriever poodle mix from Chicago, tried to make a meal of the pizza her owner left on the stove, but ended up setting the house on fire. Skylar started the fire by trying to grab the pizza, pushing the pizza box near the burners, and turning the stove burner on with all the jumping and pizza grabbing. Firefighters found Skylar passed out from the smoke with her usually white coat pitch black from the soot. Medics used three canisters of oxygen to revive her, and now she's doing great. The house? Not so well. Damages from her pizza diving are estimated at around $50,000. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Animal Minute is brought to you by Urinoff, the number one vet-recommended urine odor and stain remover. To purchase, visit www.urinoff.com. Urinoff, finally, something that works. There's lots of reasons to need a urine odor and stain remover. Your dog's afraid of thunderstorms. Cat hates being alone. You've moved into a new house. But there's only one reason to buy Urinoff, because it actually works. Urinoff's high-performance formula gets to the source of the problem and removes it permanently, even cat urine. Many odor removers claim to work, but thousands of loyal Urinoff customers, even vets, swear by it. If urine odor is a problem in your home, reach for Urinoff, the odor remover that actually works. Available exclusively at www. Urinoff.com or your local vet. Animal Radio is brought to you by the American Anti-Vivisection Society. Stop the FDA from allowing milk and meat from cloned animals to be sold in grocery stores. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society for information at www.endanimalcloning.org. 
Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. I'm very excited. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, actress Jane Alexander will be joining us. Also, we'll be calling calling, calling Kyle Orant. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> of course, he has his celebrity collar auction going on, and I understand it's kicked off. We'll find out exactly where he is on that. And the big news, of course, we'll be talking to Trouble, Leona Helmsley's Maltese. Well, actually, we'll be talking to the dog? Actually talking to the dog. Well, Joy Turner will be talking to the dog. Not us, but Joy. We'll actually ask questions through animal communicator Joy Turner. But first, one 405 8405 Hi, Animal Radio. Who's this? This is Hope. What, Hope? Yes. Oh, what a beautiful name. Thank you. What can I do for you, Hope? Okay, I was listening to the station yesterday. Yes. And um, about the country time. Oh, country dog. Country dog bakery? Yes. Oh, they're treats for overweight dogs, huh? Yes. Do you have an overweight dog? Yes, I have a min pin, and she's like at least double her size. A min? Now, how big is a miniature pincher supposed to be? Probably, I would say between 7 and 15 pounds at the most. Ooh, okay, and how, how much does yours weigh? Probably close to 20. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. She's very spoiled. We will, what is her name? Her name is Fifi. Fifi? Yes. Fifi, the big miniature pincher. Yes. Okay, well, we're going to give Fifi uh, some uh, treats from Country Dog Bakery and some other things so that she can uh, actually, does she work out? Does Fifi work out? Oh, she loves to go for walks, and, and, and if you ask her, she has to go potty. She'll tell you, she's, you know, she'll let you know, and she goes right through the door, screen door. Oh, okay. But I have a hole in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to send Fifi some uh, some treats that are for her overweightness. Oh, I appreciate that, and I love your channel and, and your uh, ideas and your well, suggestions you. are just great and everything. Where are you calling from? Carson, California. Carson, California. Yeah, this is the coast 103.5. Very wow. good. Well, hold on one second, and uh, we'll get your information and send the, these uh, treats and some extra. Well, I think we have some act, activity toys that can work out Fifi a little oh, bit. Oh, she loves it. She, ta- she has her own tennis ball, and she'll take it and throw it up in the air and play with it and everything by herself. Well, we have one of these gopher balls, which is like a tennis ball, but you just sit by you. You sit in the chair, and it actually launches the ball, and she'll bring it back to you. Oh, that sounds like great fun. Good. Hold on one second, okay? Thank you. Arthritis is the number one cause of pain in animals. About 20% or one in five dogs have some form of arthritis. This number almost doubles in dogs older than seven years of age. Often, a pet owner overlooks this pain as simply normal aging. In fact, some veterinarians believe that over half of all dogs with painful arthritis are going untreated. Dr. Robin Downing is one of only four veterinarians in the world credentialed by the American Academy of Pain Management. Pet owners really need to understand that pain is just as difficult and life-changing in animals as it is in people, but it can be difficult to recognize. Stiffness, difficulty getting up and down, reluctance to move, reluctance to play, or any other unexplained behavior changes in animals, these are just not normal and may be signs of pain. Many pet owners may mistakenly pass these signs off as simply getting old. But chronic pain in pets is very real, and today we have many better options for managing that pain than in years past. Moderate exercise is recommended to keep pets' weights in a normal range. If possible, swimming is a good form of exercise because it is non-weight-bearing. Soft, warm beds, 
ramps for getting in the car, and elevated dog bowls all help pets with painful arthritis. Veterinarians also have new generation non-steroid medications that can help. As pets have serious side effects to aspirin and ibuprofen, pain medications should only be prescribed by your veterinarian. For the Veterinary News Network, I'm Dr. Jim Humphreys reporting for Animal Radio. Hey, this is Cesar Milan. When I'm not doing the dog whisper, I'm listening to Animal Radio. Stay balanced. Hi, this is Betty White. All us animal lovers love Animal Radio. Please help every way you can to make life better for our animals, like the Morris Animal Foundation does. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Well, we know that uh, she spent most of her days in pampered luxury in the penthouse apartment atop the Park Lane Hotel, the wow. southern edge of Central Park. If you've ever been in New York, that's where it is. A hotel pianist once wrote a tune for her. Hotel chef cooked her meals and a housekeeper served them. Hand feeding her steamed carrots and other vegetables with grilled chicken. Of course, we're talking about trouble. The $12 million dog who, well, just about everybody's chimed in except trouble so far. Already uh, dealing with a messy lawsuit from somebody that uh, apparently trouble bit several years ago. Yes, one of the housekeepers, yes. But, you know, is there anybody on trouble's side to defend trouble? Does trouble need... What does Trouble think about all of this craziness? And, uh, of course, for me, there's only one connection that I know that I can make, and that's with Joy Turner, who can make the connection with Trouble. Hi, Joy. How are you doing? Hi, Hal. I'm great. How about yourself? Well, I'm not $12 million rich. I'll tell you that right now. I'm rich in a lot of other ways. But, yeah, uh, me too. Uh, Money-wise, this dog is doing very well. Can you? Uh, are, are you able to be in touch with Trouble? Well, I actually was seeing if she'll talk to me because sometimes they won't unless their people say it's okay. But I explained to her that we everybody was doing a story about this whole thing and we wanted to do one from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, all right then. Okay, good. So that she, she's not adverse to talking with us. No, she said she I wanted, she wanted to know what I wanted. And I said, well, I didn't know that you'd ask different things and I would ask her and then she would tell me and I would tell you. Does she know that us silly humans have this thing called money, which pretty much dictates how the world goes around? Because it seems to me that wouldn't matter to animals. And it actually doesn't, but what she does know about money comes from her mom, which would, of course, be Leona. And what she says about that is that mom owned most of it. (laughs) Yes. And... Therefore, she thinks we have a great deal of money. Okay. Does she know that she's inherited $12 million? She says, yes. She isn't really completely sure exactly what that means. She says what she thinks it means is that all of the money that mom owned, she got. Which was a lot and uh, pretty much... One thing I, I must point out, because we have been saying this so far, Miss Helmsley actually left the bulk of her billions to a charitable trust. Now, as far as family goes, uh, Trouble, of course, was the the big benefactor here. I guess life wouldn't change for a dog, would it, Joy? Um, Well, actually, without their people, it usually changes pretty radically. Mm. Now, of course, 
the way her mom set her up, she'll be able to maintain her same lifestyle. It'll just be without the person that she loved most. And she wants everybody to know that she does love her mother tremendously. What kind of a relationship did they have? She said, well, we think we had a good relationship. And when I asked her just now what that means, a good relationship, she said, well, you know, we paid a lot of people to do a lot of things. But she knows that her mother loved her, even though she thinks people didn't know Leona, the real Leona, Mm -hmm. because she said she knows that people think that her mom is crabby, Mm -hmm. but she said she loved her mom, and she thinks her mom was always giving her the finest and best of everything. Apparently someone's suing you, Trouble. There's a a, a housekeeper housekeeper that you bit, apparently. Uh, This is probably not going to be an isolated incident. Are you aware of this? Um, she said what she knows is that, because remember now, they can speak to beings who have crossed over. Uh-huh. What she knows is that her mom told her that there would maybe a lot of people trying to get the money that she left to her. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of expecting that there might be a lot of people saying that they want part of the money. And she said as far as she's concerned, she doesn't really care. She just wants to be able to basically keep what we would call her same lifestyle. She wants to be the same as it was before. Mm-hmm. Okay. But she said she doesn't care if they want some. She's okay if she gives some of it to them. Does she remember the biting the uh, the housekeeper? She said she doesn't know if she would actually call it biting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and when I ask her what she means by that, she says, well, it was more what she would think of as nipping. Nipping. Okay. okay. So certainly, she thinks certainly nothing anybody got upset about. Are you? Because f- or at least at then they didn't get upset. Mm-hmm. Are you at all fearful trouble with uh, uh, just all of this attention all of a sudden and uh, people coming after you looking for that money? She said, well, I don't think so because people were always after us even when mom was here. Mm-hmm. I mean, she kind of lived... So to speak, in the spotlight anyway. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't think, she says, she thinks mom has a person that takes care of all of those things for her. So she wouldn't actually be dealing with anybody that wanted the money anyway, which she's, what she's showing me is an attorney, which of course would make sense. She's probably got a bunch of them. (laughs) I know probably tangible things mean nothing to you, Trouble. And I think that's wonderful, but... What uh, would you use this $12 million for that you didn't already get from mom? Is there anything that you you would personally... Because we've been asking listeners to our radio show what you might want. And I figured asking you personally. She said she can't imagine wanting anything else for her because she thinks pretty much everything that ever there is or probably ever will be, she's going to have anyway. So um, she goes, she doesn't know. She says to me, what do you think we would do? (laughs) And uh, I want to tell her, well, honey, money can do uh, with humans pretty much anything you want. Oh, yes, except that, honey. She says, well, what about making her mom come home again? And I said, well, except that. That can't, money can't do that. But she said she doesn't know. She would be, as long as she's taken care of, 
then she would think that she doesn't care what somebody does with the money. They can give it to other people that don't have as much as her, and that would be okay with her. Oh, she knows what she could do. She would love to have somebody that would take her into their family, and she says maybe brother would, take her into her family and love her like a little dog. Mm. Wow. I like that. She said she could have that. Mm-hmm. That would make her very happy because she doesn't want to live isolated for the whole rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And she's a little concerned, she says, that she might end up kind of being... Alone. Yeah, alone. Kind of put up in an apartment someplace and somebody walks her and feeds her and whatever's, but she yeah. doesn't really have a life, so to speak. Tell her I'm worried about that, too, for me, for myself, when I get old and being alone and losing friends and... Does she have a relationship with Leona's brother? She says, yes, but that's how she says it. Yeah, I kind of have that feeling that it might be more of a business thing than a family. And really, the thing that she's looking at is she really wants... A friend. A friend, right. She wants somebody that she can kind of hang with and do stuff with and... Okay, we're, we're running out of time. We're with Joy Turner, animal communicator extraordinaire, and we're talking to trouble, Leona Helmsley's uh, Maltese. Uh, is there one last thing you want to tell the world before we go? Anything you want to tell the world? She said, anything at all? She said, anything, okay. Anything she at says, all. Yes, she wants to tell everybody that her mother really did have a nice heart, even though people thought she didn't have one. I like that. Good parting shots. Thank you so much, Joy, and thank you so much, Trouble. She says you're welcome, and you're welcome also from me. Okay. If people want to get in touch with you, Joy, to uh, talk with their animals, alive or uh, on the other side, how can they do that? They can either call 425-867-1779, or they can go to my website at talkwithyouranimals.com. If they forget that one, they can try joyturner.com. It goes to the same place. And then you you have to be hiding under a rock to not know that you can get your fix of Joy Turner uh, every weekday night right here on Animal Radio at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. A little Kyle Orant, nine-year-old. That's not so little. His celebrity collar auction kicked off last week, and I think we should... uh, Check in with him. He's online, what is it, six or seven? Six. Okay, they're all ringing. <laughs> Hi, Kyle. Hello. Hey, Kyle. How are you doing? Good. Hi, uh, Kyle. How's oh. the How's the auction going? Oh, it's doing good. Yeah, I just I just checked into it just a couple of minutes ago. It's actually the first time that I've seen it. Boy, we've got a lot of callers up there, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm looking. I'm seeing uh, everyone from Billy Joel, uh, Wendy Malick, Leslie Nielsen, Donald Trump, Joe Namath, Betty White. Wow. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Lisa Laporta, of course. Jackie Martelling for you uh, uh, Howard Stern fans. Sheena Easton. Uh, all on there. You really got a bunch of great callers. Yeah. Who's coming out at the top so far? Who has the most bids? Donald Trump and Hank Aaron and Billy Joel. Donald Trump, of course. And uh, that's uh, is that my screen name yeah. that's up there? <laughs> no, that's, Are you bidding on that one? Pink Lady 4. No, that is not me, but I will be bidding on this uh, probably in the last five minutes of that. Uh, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those. And who else? You said Donald Trump. Who else? Joe Namath? Um, Hank Aaron, Billy Joel, and Joe Namath. Billy Joel. Okay. I mean, Joe Namath hasn't been bid on yet. Not yet, huh? No. 
You know what I thought was really cool? I what? see that you actually signed a collar, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you mind if I bid on that? I want to bid on that Very one. Very good. Yeah, I have, they, I signed two of them. Uh-huh. Because right now, four different people are bidding on it. Uh-huh. So that's why I'm waiting for the last second to put in my other collars. <laughs> Has anyone called you up to talk about this or, or ask you about it? Because it sure seems like you're getting uh, getting quite a few bids there. No. No? It's just us, huh? Yeah. yeah. Give it a few days. I think someone will be calling you. That's yeah, but you remember us. We discovered him first. Well, no, we didn't. <laughs> he was a lemonade entrepreneur way before Animal yes, Radio came was. into the picture. And he's done very well. He raised $20,000 for Canine Companions. And I guess the money is going to go to Canine Companions again? Yeah. Oh, jeez. You know, you know that feeling right in the center of your stomach that just is warm? It's a warm, fuzzy, it just makes you feel real good? Yeah. That's how I feel right now. I just feel really good, and I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of people will head on over to the website at eBay. It's an eBay charity website, and check out all the collars that are uh, up for charity auction. Uh, donated, by the way, by Bamboo. These are top-of-the-line collars, the Quick Control Leash. Now, Rescue Me, the entire cast has signed a collar. How many people are in the cast there? Do you know? No. Four, five people? Yeah, somewhere around there. That's the one with uh, uh, Dennis Leary, isn't it? Dennis Leary. That's uh, yeah. that's the fireman guy. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I can see. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm all over uh, that there. Okay, listeners, if you can beat me to it, here's your chance to bid on one of Kyle's collars. And uh, I guess we'll check in with you in a, in a week or so. Okay. And we'll find out how it's going. Who do you think's going to get the most here? Um, I don't know. You must have, Take like, a guess. Is a wild guess, huh? Um, maybe the Donald Trump one. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, do you think Donald would buy his own collar? <laughs> he is that kind of guy. He's very vain. But he's a good guy. You two have a little bit of a business relationship, I think, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll remember us little people, won't you, when you make it to the top? Okay. <laughs> okay, there you go. Kyle, Kyle Orrid, uh, good luck. We'll speak to you in a week or so, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hold on. Coming up next, actress Jane Alexander right here on Animal Radio. This is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. I've had it done to me. It's not that (laughs) (laughs) Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. I'm having a lot of fun today. It's Animal Radio, just like The Daily Show, except uh, instead of politics, it's animals, and instead of Jon Stewart, I'm Hal. It's Animalix instead of politics. Uh, Animalix. Animalix. I like that. Yeah. Let's uh, copyright that term immediately. Get on that, Guido. 1-866-405-8405. The number's here. We'd love to speak to you anytime you want to call, even during the week. Uh, Jane Alexander is on the way. I just understand that uh, Oscar the Death Cat, we've told you about him. He has his new radio show. Can you believe that? If he has a radio show, <laughs> we can have a radio show with Jane Alexander, who, by the way, doesn't she think she's going to be on Oprah or something like that? Oh, that's the way I get all the guests on. Well, if you've seen The Great White Hope, All the President's Men, Kramer versus Kramer, you know the body of work. Of our next guest, four-time Oscar nominee, Jane Alexander. Hi, Jane. How are you doing? I'm just doing fine. Thank you. You know, you, you're you one of those wonderful people who keeps so busy doing... You have your hands in so many different things. I actually just learned today that you you were once the uh, head of the National Endowment for the Arts. During a <laughs> very troubled time, I, I imagine. Yes, it was. Yeah. And... Yeah, but it's... Uh... 
it's all over now. It's uh, <laughs> back on uh, the NEA is just doing fine. Good. You're also an honorary co-chair for the Indianapolis Prize. That's and correct. That happens every couple of years, and, and we're going to talk about the nominations for the two ten, 2010 Indianapolis Prize in just a second. Uh, tell the listeners what this is all about, what the Indianapolis Prize is. Well, it began last year, uh, started by the Indianapolis Zoo and its remarkable uh, director, Michael Crother. And um, it is the largest conservation prize given to a conservationist. Uh, it's $100,000 unrestricted uh, gift. And so it's, a, it's truly a remarkable gift to these very talented people or what kind of people uh, are, are these people that are picking up on this? Well, the winner last year, and it happens uh, every two years, was George Archibald, who brought the whooping crane back from extinction hmm. and uh, founded the International Crane Foundation in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And uh, George was arguably uh, the right person to get it, get it uh, the first time. He's just a remarkable conservationist and biologist. And you're taking nominations now. I guess there's a criteria for who we're looking for because everybody knows somebody who's doing a lot of work in conservation. And, and yes, the nominations have actually closed already for 2008. Uh -huh. uh, the prize will be given uh, next September 2008. And uh, so the nominations are closed. I don't know who, who are, who's in the final category. <laughs> sure. It hasn't been announced yet and won't be probably announced till the springtime. But these are really high-caliber people who are, who are being nominated by their peers most of the time or by their organization for which they work. You hear so much about the conservationists who are working so hard to educate about conservation and about, oh, you hear this every day, about the problems in zoos and animals that are having problems in zoos. How, how do you walk that line? Oh, you mean animals in zoos? and, and um, Well, there, there, there's two different things going on here. One is the conservation of species in the wild. Mm -hmm. And uh, zoos are trying to be extremely responsible these days about the synergy, if you will, between uh, captive animals and animals in the wild. Um, very, they don't go out and collect animals, by and large, anymore. There's a high reproductive rate in zoos for certain kinds of species. Some zoos are more successful than others. For example, the uh, the Dorley Zoo in Omaha, Nebraska, is very successful at corals, <laughs> at raising corals. Really? Of all things. In yes. Nebraska? Yes. <laughs> so, so they send a lot of corals to other zoos for their aquariums and to aquariums. But that's just one example. So a lot of the species that you see now do not come from the wild unless they're orphaned creatures and need uh, protection of zoos. Mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'm on the uh, trustee of the Wildlife Conservation Society, which is the Bronx Zoo, mm -hmm. the Queen Zoo, the Prospect Park, the Central Park Zoo, and the New York Aquarium. And uh, I know that our message all the time is about conservation and education. And what zoos do is bring the young people in to see these live animals and if a child has never seen um, an elephant, a tiger, or or even bugs <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in in the wild, they they become riveted and fascinated, and it, and then they can relate to them. I think better in the wild. 
So how can we nominate somebody for this? Well, for the future, for 2010, 2010. <laughs> you, uh, if you have a special uh, conservationist in mind and you want to get them nominated, you just call up the Indianapolis Zoo or you find them online, uh, the IndianapolisPrize.com, and uh, you can send in your nomination. But it, it's quite a, a rigorous process. You have a long application to fill out and things like that. Well, of course, anything worth doing is uh, not going to be easy, is it? No. (laughs) And the people who end up in the final category are people like Ian Douglas Hamilton of Save the Elephant or Roger Payne of Save the Whale. And these are people who have been working for decades and decades in their field. So, Hal, you're just out there saving the bugs in your backyard. It's yeah. not going to work. Baby steps for me. Yeah. That's not going to cut it. Yeah, so those grap- grasshoppers love you, but. Uh, but, okay. Yes. What type of animals does Jane Alexander have at home? I have one little dog. <laughs> it's it? a little papillon, and his name is Drama. Drama. <laughs> I love it. I don't think I've ever heard that name. No, that very... sounds self-explanatory, though. Yeah, yeah. well, he has a markings on his eyes like make him look very dramatic i call it 60s elizabeth taylor eyeliner (laughs) (laughs) before we go jane a feast of love coming out this month i just wanted to mention that you must be very excited about that i am it's a lovely movie with uh, morgan freeman and greg kinnear just i'm very happy with it can you tell us anything about it oh it's based on a bestseller called feast of love and it's about uh love at different ages and Morgan Freeman kind of observes these couples, and uh, Greg Kinnear is always the loser, and of course, he's, <laughs> as usual, he's uh-huh. wonderful. Yeah. Feast of Love coming out this month. Jane Alexander, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's all we have time for this hour. Remember, there's lots more Animal Radio anytime you want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at AnimalRadio.com, or on your cell phone, just text ANIMAL to 27627. And remember, if you get a pet, please spay or neuter. If it happens to be a cat, don't ever declaw. And always adopt from your local shelter. I'm Judy Francis. I'm Hal Abrams. We'll see you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Happy birthday, Judy. Well, thank you. I just had my 29th birthday again. again. And what would you like for your birthday? Lots of money. Just send money. How yes. Money from trouble. Maybe trouble could use... Maybe trouble could send me some money. She has $12 million. That would work. Of course, we're talking about Leona Helmsley's... Uh, the lately owner of Helmsley's dog has inherited $12 million. Uh, the most of the whole, all the family, all the kin, which is uh, strange, kind of weird, bizarre. I know the dog likes cream cheese. I'm thinking that's a lot of cream cheese Yeah, there. but you know, there's different flavors of cream cheese, so oh, you sure. have a variety. Oh, okay. I understand. It, all, it really all makes sense now. Uh, we're actually going to talk to a lawyer in just a few minutes, uh, Adam Carp a great animal lawyer, and find out whether or not you should have a trust. Now, we don't suggest $12 million for a trust for your animal. I think that'll probably uh, be a little much, but Mm -hmm. maybe, well, depends on the animal's health. We'll find out exactly how much you should put away for your animal. Also, many claim that their uh, dogs and cats know when they're coming home. They have these, like, psychic abilities. Are they psychic? Or maybe it's routine, or maybe you're tipping them off somehow. I don't know. Uh, We have on the phone with us a very special friend, 
And uh, punch up that line there. Okay. Hi, Alex. Hi, Hal. How are you? Doing good. Alex Takaris. Takaris. It's a hard one to pronounce. Takaris. Is that right? Yeah, you basically leave the T off and you're halfway there. Okay. Hey, listen, I wanted to get you on the phone. We've been corresponding via email. Apparently, you're working with somebody to research... Uh, and do an experiment about whether or not dogs can predict whether their owners are coming home. You know, there's a lot of people. I hear this oh, day I've in and day out. Oh, I've had cats that have done that. Really? Right. Cats? Yes. Cats, too? Right, cats, too. You know, what we're really trying to do is just one aspect of that special bond that we feel with our animals, be they cats or dogs. And one way to scientifically measure that is to see whether animals can anticipate when their owners are coming home. And there actually has been some research. Some of your listeners may be aware of uh, a gentleman named Rupert Sheldrick who carried out some research and and started to establish this. And uh, we wanted to really dig into it and, and find some great dogs out there that can exhibit this and show it in an experiment. Well, now you're actually looking for dogs for this experiment. You're looking for test subjects. We it. are. We are. Dog owner pairs who are... Who, who maybe see that special ability in their in their dog, you know, and uh, and and those are the kind of folks we're looking for. Uh-huh. When we first um, started looking for for dogs and, and went on bulletin boards, and, and we got some great stories. And if I can, I'll just give you an example of the kind of behavior that people find. Uh, we we heard from a woman whose husband was a plumber, uh-huh. and he was gone during the day, but would, would come home at whenever a job was finished. And she said she just knew 10 minutes before he was coming home because their dog would go sit by the door and, and wait for him and knew that he was coming home. So I think, yes, a routine is definitely something that we know that dogs can pick up on. But a lot of people find that their dogs are not picking up on a routine or not just hearing the car, but are somehow, at least we suspect, able to uh, able to somehow know that their owners are intending to come home to see them. Is it possible the same kind of signals that animals know before an earthquake is the, the same kind of thing going on here? I don't know. I mean, that's that's something interesting to explore. It's also, you know, the, it just hit the news recently, the, the cat in the... Uh, in the retirement home that Oscar is that the do- the cat who knew when yes. people were about to die yeah I mean I think this the real uh, bottom line is there's a lot of special capabilities that animals have that we haven't fully explored and that's what we're just trying to help uh, help facilitate help to try and find those animals and then hook them up and match them with competent researchers who are interested in looking at it and provide a little bit of uh, money and funding both for the dog owner a thousand dollar prize if your dog is selected for the experiment and wow. for the researchers to uh, to do the work yeah i had a cat when i was a teenager when i was in high school that every day after school it would meet me in the park how did it know how did it know i don't know uh, speaking of oscar by the way he has his own radio show now i understand <laughs> it's, it's true i am not i would not i am uh, oscar the death cat huh yes he does uh, okay a thousand dollars to any dog guardian who's willing to successfully participate in this study now i'm sure right now so many ears across the country are perking up you're sitting on the couch a bag of potato chips in your hand and you know that your dog does that and you're thinking a thousand dollars i could buy a lot of potato chips uh, how can i participate in this study and how are you picking the the dogs and the guardians right and, and hell that's not even to mention the fame the fame and absolute uh, well research you know that's right furthering of science and for all eternity be known as the dog that proved this but we've set up actually a special website 
dogsthatknow.com. So that's pretty easy for people to follow, dogsthatknow.com. And there's instructions for how you can take the first steps of, as you were kind of alluding to, checking and making sure that your dog isn't just picking up on some routine or some other uh, signal that you're giving. So you can kind of do a little bit of testing yourself. And then if that works out, we really, really encourage you to contact us uh, further and all, the, all through the process, actually. And then we'll... Uh, We'll find a, a good researcher to hook you up with. Okay, but, but you say we could do a little bit of testing ourselves prior to contacting you. What are some of the things that might tip off a dog that sort of eliminates you from this kind of test? Well, you know, it, rather than approach it from that angle, how what I'd say is there's a couple simple things you can do to run a semi pretty good controlled experiment um an easy way is if you have a friend who's willing to help have the friend come over while you go out on an errand okay and the friend would just keep track if they wanted to videotape it that'd be even better but just basically keep track of the dog's behavior where the dog is sitting where the dog is going while you're out and then at some time not pre-selected beforehand but you would call your friend who's out on the errand and say time to come home and from that moment forward, you'd also measure the dog. And does the dog now go to the window and spend a lot of time at the window? Or is it basically the same behavior until they pull right up into the driveway? Mm-hmm. Now, the experiments that have done before, sometimes the results are dramatic. Eighty percent of the time during which the owner is coming home, the dog has spent by the window. Versus during normal times, the dog is spending 15 to 20 percent of the time by the window so for a lot of dog owners dogs dogs and dog owner pairs the results will be pretty dramatic how do they know and i guess you want to mix up the times there also and kind of do things different right but really you know for a preliminary test if you just came home 10 or 15 minutes early or 10 or 15 minutes late Uh than your normal routine and that would be pretty good enough and if you're out running an errand then there really isn't any need for that because those usually are pretty pretty random. And, and again, you're having someone call you at a time that you don't even know. Because what they found, this is interesting to your question, Judy, of how do they know? Mm-hmm. It seems like the dog seemed to be picking up on the intention of the owner to go home. So it's not yeah. actually when they get in the car or start mm-hmm. driving or reach a certain point in the road. It's when they make that decision that, oh, it's time to go home. You said uh, cats... Are susceptible to this too? Yes. You know, the, the, the best survey that was done in this area was done by Dr. Rupert Sheldrick. He's uh, in Cambridge at the, in the UK. Uh, about 30% of dog owners reported seeing this same behavior in their cats, and about 40 to 45% of dog owners did. Dogsthatknow.com, is that right? Dogsthatknow.com. And, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show at AnimalRadio.com. Alex Takiris joining us. We appreciate your time inhibit us to this. Let us know what the results are. I would, I would love to keep your, keep your listeners informed. And um, probably within three or four months, we will be posting the results as they come in. So even the preliminary studies will be available for people to look at. There will be video. And uh, I think it will be something that's... No matter what the results are, I think it'll be fun for people to explore and investigate and be part of this project. We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks a lot. 
How do they know? I don't know. My um, cat knew. Your cat knew? Yes. Did he check the AnimalRadio.com website? That could be how he knew. Because that's uh, where I get all my information. Mm-hmm. I know that's where you can sign up for the summer and the giveaway with a bunch of great prizes from PetMate, including the Ultra Sweep. That's that uh, litter for cats. They have some great dog prizes to all the prizes listed at AnimalRadio.com. Also, if you have questions about your animals, you can call us 1-866-405-8405. That number actually is on all week. If we don't answer it, it goes on over to voicemail. And, of course, last week we were talking about Michael Vick. He, of course, apologized. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm using the little quotes. You can't see it because it's radio. <laughs> he apologized. And he'll face 12 to 18 months, we think, in jail. It Sentencing uh, December, December 10th, 10th yes. is when that's going to happen. Uh, we got some calls after the show. Left some messages. This is what you had to say. 2.23 p.m. Yeah, I'd just like to make a comment. I volunteer at the Irvine Animal Shelter, and I am of African descent. And what Jamie Foxx said about the dog is that it's a cultural thing. I think that's complete bullshit. Excuse my friends. Uh, it's uh, a cruel thing. And if you're that cruel, you should be penalized for it. Thank you. one 405 8405 You can leave a message all week. Or you can email us at yourvoice at animalradio.com. Adam Carp. Whenever you think law and you think animals, I think he's the best attorney around for uh, animal law. So I figured we'd get him on the phone and talk about the new $12 million dog. Uh, hi, Adam. Hey, how are you doing? Doing very well. How are you doing? Great. Well, uh, Leona Helmsley leaving $12 million to her dog, uh, which uh, I can't imagine that going very fast. And I also got to think, here's a lady who's, uh, uh, well, she wasn't she busted for tax evasion at one time? Mm, that's what I heard. Yeah. Is this a, is this an elaborate scheme to protect some of her money? Do you think? Oh goodness, I, I couldn't even begin to guess. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that's one lucky dog. Yeah. It is one lucky dog. I, I in, in a few minutes I'm going to read off some of the things that the the dog gets because it you know it gets meals, it gets a lot of uh, care and day to day care, and I guess her uh, Leona's brother will be administering that. Oh okay. Do you see a lot of trust coming through your office, or do you deal with any of that at all? You know, most of my practice is litigation, so no, I don't do a lot of estate planning, but I, I am certainly familiar with the trend that many states have passed laws that authorize you to leave money in the care of your animal, and because prehistorically, it just wasn't enforceable. Oh, and it is now in most states. In most states, yes. Are more and more people doing that, do you notice? Well, if they have the resources, I think they certainly will, because it's no different, I think, in the minds of the testators or the people who are drafting and signing these wills than were they to leave money for parents or children or spouses or siblings who need that money to help them live. You know, As we all know, the animals are members of the family, so it's not that much of a stretch. Is there anyone to protect these animals if, say, the person in charge doesn't want to care for the animal, takes them to a shelter and holds on to the money? Well, that's a really good point. There, there are some risks going both ways. Uh, there are situations where people who are entrusted with the care of an animal and are receiving money from the estate may either bring in the animal and say euthanize 
so that they can pocket the remainder. And I could imagine uh, uh, Miss Helmsley must be trusting her brother immensely because, mm-hmm. or she has to have provisions in the will that say, look, you can't just bring in the dog, have him euthanized, and then take the $12 million. Mm-hmm. You know, so, that, so there need to be safeguards there. But in the flip side, there are also certain situations where the animal may die from natural causes. But And I have order- a feeling very soon, but go on. <laughs> oh, well, in order to keep the money flow, uh-huh. The trustee will bring in imposter dogs or imposter cats <laughs> wow. and pawn them off on the vet to say, oh, yeah, this is Willie. You remember Willie? <laughs> and oh, no. keep the money coming. So uh, the, the way to get around it, to answer your question, though, is many states do allow for individuals who care for the welfare of the animal to petition the court to remove the trustee if he or she is not complying with the intent of the testator. And what happens if the dog should die of natural cause and there is no, quote, replacement? What happens to the money? I'd imagine that the will would specify where the residue would go. But if there is, if the will is silent in that regard, then many courts will invoke a doctrine called Cypre. And basically it just means that they will try to tailor a remedy that is as close to the intent of the deceased person as possible. You know, $12 million is a lot of money. What is the normal care and upkeep and costs to take care of an animal for a year on a yearly basis? I think it depends on what the standard of care has been and, you know, whether how optimal you want to be. I, I know many sanctuaries, and for instance, Posado's Safe Haven is a group that I've worked with before. They're in um, Washington State. They will uh, accept these sort of trust roles, and I don't know exactly what they're asking for monetarily, but I think several thousand dollars a year is probably a good benchmark. You, know, uh-huh. you want to make sure you have enough in principle so that the interest can cover that and, and, and provide for the animal for the remainder of his or her life. And I should note, you know, if, if the beneficiary is a dog or cat, there's going to be a natural cap there of probably 20 years. Uh-huh. Right. So it doesn't have to last in perpetuity. Now, if you have a parrot or a macaw or an elephant or uh, some animal that you're caring for uh, who will outlive most human beings, then that also needs to be considered. Yeah, so if you do have a bird, this is a very reasonable thing to, to take care of. And also, if your animal is sick or ill or, or, or is under some kind of care that will need to go on after you go on. Sure. You know, there are many, in addition to a trust, uh, I have drafted, and I know other attorneys routinely use, a questionnaire where the uh, the testator will leave very detailed instructions for the trustee and what to do and what not to do. Um, and in some, some wills, you've found testators who will say that I want the animal killed even if they're healthy, when I die. And you, and you will find that many judges will not enforce that no. <laughs> because it's, they look at it as wasting property. <laughs> well, M- Mrs. Helmsley did not do that. She did, however, stipulate that uh, when uh, trouble does pass on that she is buried mm. ne- next to Mrs. Uh, Helmsley. Now, this is illegal, is it not? Uh, it depends where it's occurring. There are many pet cemeteries, of course, it's around she, the United States. Well, Leona is not in a pet cemetery. I know else. that. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is, legally speaking, there's no problem, I think, with burying non-human corpses. Oh, okay. Uh, except that as a, as a, you have to be complying with the health laws, of sure. course, in that area. Now, whether you can put deceased human corpses and non-human corpses adjacent to one another, I don't know. I don't know why not. Yeah, but. It's not going <laughs> to contaminate or hurt anything. <laughs> oh, okay.
Well, this is all very intriguing, uh, almost as intriguing as the uh, Anna Nicole's baby in the, the special on TV <laughs> for its first birthday, which, you know, I was glued to the TV, of course. Uh, and, of course, I'm sure we'll learn more. We understand, in fact, I was just handed this, that there is already a lawsuit being assembled against this dog, <laughs> which is... So I imagine this dog is going to have to part with its money sooner or later. Uh, I'm hoping it's well protected. Of I guess the dog needs an attorney. Yes. <laughs> there you go, Adam. <laughs> Adam Carp joining us. Of course, whenever we think uh, law and animals, we think of Adam Carp. And you do. A, you have a great practice in Washington. We appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you so much for calling. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Clive Pierce from HGTV. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please, please remember to spay and neuter your pet. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just from eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Ew, gross. Thank goodness there's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major worms that infect dogs. Safeguard K90 Wormer. Just sprinkle it on your dog's food twice a year. And that's it? Yep. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. It's the best way I know to protect my dog and my family against intestinal worm infections. Animal Radio is brought to you by Get Serious, a stain and pheromone remover so easy to use, even men can do it. Hey, hey wait a minute. <laughs> Don't take any more excuses, women. It's time to get serious. Get Serious is available at PetSmart and online at GetSeriousProducts.com. Every once in a while, there comes along a special group of animal lovers that stands strongly in defense of the voiceless. Animal People is that newspaper for people who really care about the animals. Animal People is published ten times yearly. The publisher is a nonprofit corporation dedicated to exposing the existence of cruelty to animals and to informing and educating you so that animal lovers worldwide can eliminate such cruelty. Your subscription is $24 a year and is 100% tax deductible. Get Animal People's fair and accurate investigative reporting from the industry watchdog. Visit our website at www.animalpeoplenews.org. That's www.animalpeoplenews.org to subscribe to the news for people who care about animals. Animal People. Subscribe today at www.animalpeoplenews.org. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Welcome to Voice of the Animal. Two words, mosquitoes. Why? If you had to name the one creature on Earth that elicits only groans and curses, it would have to be the mosquito. Besides being a nuisance when trying to enjoy time outside, this tiny winged creature is considered the most dangerous insect in the world. The bite from a mosquito can carry yellow fever, certain types of encephalitis, the West Nile virus, and malaria. Over one million people die each year due to malaria. In fact, it's said that mosquitoes are the cause of death in every one out of 17 people. There is a huge retail industry that surrounds this loathing of the mosquito. 
with everything from nets to fancy candles to complicated technological machines that claim to keep them away. I've heard one method is to place water out in a shallow white dish. My neighbor, whose grandmother was a curandera, a healer, used to slather her grandchildren with some natural herbal remedy made of plants found in their yard, and it worked. But much to everyone's dismay, Eleonora cannot remember what the remedy was. During the expedition of Lewis and Clark, mosquitoes were a prominent and most unwelcome partner on their journey. The word mosquito is spelled 26 different ways in William Clark's journal, never once correctly. But we can certainly forgive him that, as he was probably just too weary dealing with them to be concerned with spelling. At times, the mosquitoes were so thick the explorers could not take a bite of food without getting a mouthful of bugs, or even take aim of a rifle due to the cloud of insects blocking their vision. Often, their evening campsite was chosen solely on the basis of how best to avoid the mosquitoes. There is nothing quite as distinctive as the whining buzz of a mosquito. An African folktale explains why this is so. Apparently, mosquito was spreading a foolish tale to all the animals of the jungle that created a chain reaction resulting in catastrophe. When the disaster was traced back to mosquito, all the other animals of the jungle shunned him, which is why to this day he buzzes in one's ear, trying to explain his side of the story. To the Pasakagwodi Indians, the mosquito was an evil witch. Mayan mythology chronicles the devious exploits of mosquito spies. The Tlingit Indians of the northwest coast tell of how mosquitoes came to be when a hero decides to do something about the evil giant who is feasting on the people of his village. He tricks and kills the giant and burns the body to pieces. But as the hero removes the ashes from the fire to scatter to the winds, they turn into clouds of mosquitoes. And from their midst, the giant can be heard laughing and to say. I will eat you people until the end of time. Spies, witches, man-eating giants, a whining busybody. Whether in person or in story, the mosquito has been despised for centuries. Even the Dalai Lama, the living embodiment of compassion, has admitted that his attitude toward mosquitoes is not always favorable or peaceful. It's nice to know we are in great company when it comes to maintaining a peaceful attitude toward mosquitoes. As to why mosquitoes, one friend says it is his first question to God if he should ever meet up with the Creator. Let's hope he finds a way to share the response. Visit us on the World Wide Web at VoiceOfTheAnimal.com. For Voice of the Animal, this is Rayan Cumulos. Hello, this is Dom DeLuise, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Love your pets; they'll always love you back. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Hi, who's this? Vivian Swizik. Hi, Vivian. How you doing? I'm very good. Where are you calling from? Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Hamburg. Gee, where is that in Pennsylvania? That's about twenty minutes above Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, you must be listening on W E E U then. Yes, that's where I listen from. Vivian, what can we do for you today? Well, I'm wondering about. I have a golden retriever, uh-huh. and he was given to us. And、uh, I'd like to know whether or not he's a lonely guy. How、and、old is he? He's eight years old. Okay. And he was with a family of、uh, two children, 
and uh, two later on they had two uh, uh, police dogs, and so uh, they didn't want him anymore, and mm. they gave him to us. So we found him on the highway. He had run away, and we found him on the highway, and they called back, and we put in a paper, and they called and said they it was their dog. So we gave their dog back to them, mm-hmm. and nine months later he was given to us. They wanted us to have him because they didn't want him anymore. So, mm-hmm. and he's such a layback guy, and he's he looks very sad sometimes. And what what's his name? Buster. Buster. Uh-huh. B- Buster, the eight-year-old golden retriever, who's right. apparently had brothers or sisters before, and yes. doesn't now. We're wondering whether or not uh, Buster wants any. What do you think, Judy? Are you hoping to cure any kind of behavior problems by getting a second dog? No, no, okay. we don't want a second dog. I just want to, I mean, we're up, I mean, I'm 74, and I don't know that I'd get through, you know, raising another dog. Mm. So, you know, and anyway, I just wanted to know if we're treating him right. If I mean, he has it good here. He's wonderful. He goes for two walks a day, and he's just a very happy guy, mm-hmm. except he looks sad sometimes. Okay, so well, you're saying that your option would be not to get another animal, but to relocate where he lives? Right. I don't, wanna, I don't want another animal because I, I want to be able to raise one and mm-hmm. see, it, see it go on, you know. Well, there are elder dogs that you can adopt. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it in your voice. I hear it in your voice, Vivian. It's just something we just we decided not to do. Okay. okay. Well, dogs are pack animals. They're social animals. They usually like to be in groups. There are some dogs, however, that like to be the only dog in a household. And this type of dog is someone that you're going to have to spend a lot of time with. If there are no other dogs around, spending a lot of time with him uh, will be great for his socialization. Also, if you're not interested in getting another dog permanently, if you can set up kind of a play groups or if there are any doggy daycares in your area. There's something temporarily where you can drop them off. Do you know what? Dog parks. We do babysit our next-door neighbor. Oh, okay. It's a dog every day. We have her every day, and she's a little doxy. Mm-hmm. But she wants, you know, they pass one another, but they are they don't not playful at all. Both mm-hmm. she's eleven and he's eight, so mm-hmm. she's already gone through that sort of thing. But uh, I mean, he's with her, and he's not nasty to her. As a matter of fact, he just. I think he pities her because she's so little. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my first inclination, Vivian, is that everything's okay. And that actually rehoming Buster would would cause more trouble than uh, just spending more time with Buster. And you already have a neighbor dog who visits. If there's other uh, play groups or uh, other sitting that you can do, just spending a lot of time with Buster, I think, is really the key uh, Mm -hmm. for this. Especially since uh, Buster is eight years old. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we, he goes everywhere with us. We don't go away without him. We're That's gonna, good. Uh, you know what we have? We're going to give uh, Buster. I have uh, a D, do you have a DVD player? Yes, we do. Okay, I have a DVD called Doggy Daycare, which is a fun DVD. Uh, and I'm also going to throw in if we do we have one more of the how how big is Buster? He's he's a golden Both retriever, so he's a big dogs. dog. Yes. Yeah, he's a big dog. Uh, do, do, does he like Kongs at all? Does he like what? Kongs are like rubber toys that they play oh, with. He just likes the soft toys that he can play with my husband on the floor with. Okay, we're going to send him a bunch of toys, okay? Oh, thank you. Vivian, thank you so much for for being so concerned about your animal and for listening to Animal Radio. Oh, I love the show. Love it. Hold on one second. We need to get your address and information. Okay. Hi! 
I'm Victoria Jackson, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Fido Friendly Magazine. Perhaps you can do without it, but for kibble's sake, thinking a dog. At last, a voice for us traveling canines. Until now, few have taken mobile pooches seriously. After all, who appreciates warm shelter and a comfy bed more than a dog? Fido Friendly, the travel magazine for you and your dog. A quarterly guide to Fido-friendly accommodations in the United States and Canada. Because if Fido ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Subscribe at FidoFriendly.com. Your dog will thank you. Hi, I'm Jay Moore, and as a sports fan, I can tell you there's nothing quite better than spending a day in the park playing catch with a beautiful lady. Like Shirley, my dog. Listen, adopt a pet. They are the most loyal companions you will ever have. Visit Pets911.com or call one 888 pets 911 Hooray! For more information, go to Pets911.com. Proud to be a partner of Animal Radio. Do you know what you're serving for dinner tonight? If the FDA has its way, the milk and meat you see at the grocery store could come from cloned animals. And you won't even know because it won't be labeled. Cloning animals for food involves more than just food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues must also be considered. The cloning process uses hundreds of animals to produce just one clone, causing death or severe health problems for most of the animals involved. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society to learn more about the problems with animal cloning at www.endanimalcloning.org. That's www.endanimalcloning.org. And have a voice in what you are serving for dinner tonight. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just by eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Protect your dog and your family by deworming your dog twice a year with Safeguard Canine Dewormer. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. We are proudly partnered with Pets 911. And from Pets 911, our friend Tracy Ann Maines is joining us. Hi, Tracy. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well. Glad you, to hear it. How was your Memorial Day weekend? My Labor, Labor Day, Day weekend? Uh, that too. I was, I was going to get to that. I was going to start with your Memorial going in Day order. and then go to the Labor Day weekend. It was fabulous. Thank you very much. But here in Arizona, I'm, I'm happy it's not Memorial Day because then I'd have to go through the heat again. So. Yes, it gets very hot there, and of course, uh, that's one of those places you definitely don't want to leave your, your animal in your car, even with the windows rolled down. Absolutely not. And you know, I get this question all the time. People call up, they say, I need to have rabies shots, I need to license my animal. Do I really need to do that? Are the laws the same nationwide? And not a lot of people even know that you need to license your animal in the city that you live in. Most of the time. Is that generally the case? That's generally the case. There are places where um, you may not have to license your pet. It might be an option or they just might not have it at all. But for the majority of the time, uh, licensing is something that either your city or county will require. And they usually require rabies too, don't they? Correct. Usually, um, in most cases, in order to get your license, you need to have proof of a rabies uh, vaccination. Okay, so you know a lot of people are trying to dodge this. 
Well, it's true, right? I know, I know that maybe I have at one point in time, not now, but one point in time in my youth, and that was crazy. It was misguided. I tell you that right now. I may or not have registered a cat or two. But here, there's some good reasons to do it, and that's why we got you on the phone. And, and one of the things you pointed out to me, because I like my mocha latte so much, that it's really <laughs> the cost of two to four mocha lattes to, to license your pet in your city. And, and here are some good reasons why. Tracy Ann Maines, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the first thing is uh, licensing is absolutely critical if your pet gets lost in helping you to get your pet home. Because once your pet is found, it's either going to be found by a private citizen or perhaps animal care and control will be called out. If they have your license on your pet and they can get that number, then it's much easier for them to punch that into their system and be able to contact you immediately. And isn't it truthful that if an animal control officer uh, sees the animal has a tag, it's more likely to approach the animal than uh, than might be frightened away that it could have rabies or, or it could be out of control? I think if they see that it's a pet and it's licensed, obviously they know this pet is taken care of. Um, it won't have rabies because it has a license on it. Um, so I think that they're more likely to approach it without maybe using force that they may consider if the pet looks like it's feral or something of that nature. Um, and in addition to that, uh, people have the dog catcher mentality, but, uh, you know, I know in the county we live in, if your license is on your pet and animal care finds your pet, they won't take it to the shelter right away. They'll take it to your home. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll call, find out your address, take it to your home, and, you know, if you're there, great, happy reunion, you know, maybe even before you realized your pet was gone. Um, In addition, if you're not there, they'll put a door knocker on saying, you know, hey, we have your pet at this location, and they'll continue to try to reach you. Now, every place is different in what they try to do to get your pet home to you, but licensing is a crucial step in getting your pet back. So who actually gets the money from licensing, and how is it used? Um, With licensing, again, that probably varies from place to place. It's going to probably be animal care and control the municipality that gets the, the the money for that and a lot of that money is again used to help shelter animals that might be homeless who are lost but aren't reclaimed um, and to try to get them adopted and spayed and neutered uh, vaccinated and give them a, a place to stay while their owners are either located or a new home is found for them. If I get my dog license, is that all I have to do, or do I have to do it every year, or is it just a one-time thing? And again, that's going to depend on where you live. Make sure uh, you check with the county or the city that you live in. In my particular interest, instance, it is an annual fee uh, to have my, my pet licensed. It's, a, it's an annual fee. But again, you know, if you give up a couple mochas, you're, you're doing okay there. And you're saving lives. I don't think people look at it that way. You know, a large portion of their of their fee is spent in housing homeless animals. So you are doing your part to help out uh, that situation um, just by doing what you're supposed to be doing anyway. Pets911.com has a lost and found service. God forbid you should ever lose your pet. You guys can help out, huh? Absolutely. We have a free lost and found service. If you lose a pet, you can go on to our website, Pets911.com, post your pet as being lost. You can post a photo, description, any type of information, color, color, anything like that. And likewise, if you find a pet, you can also post that found pet to our site. And we have thousands of reunions every year from people, you know, looking on the site and saying, oh, my gosh, my pet was already posted. Somebody found them. And usually it's, 
you know, around the corner or a different neighborhood. But, you know, the, the reunion stories are fabulous. It's the largest database of uh, really references for veterinarians and anything that's pet-related. Pets911.com. We are proud to partner with them. Tracy Ann Maines, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Sheena Easton on Animal Radio. Please stay new to your pets. It's so important. Hey, cat lovers, wish you never had to touch, smell, scoop, or buy cat litter again. Your wish is granted with Cat Genie. The world's only self-flushing, self-washing cat box. The Cat Genie looks like a cat toilet and cleans like magic. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com. Or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Cat Genie is totally litter free. Okay, cats need to dig and cover. So Cat Genie uses permanent washable granules that never need changing. To cats, Cat Genie fills and acts like a clean litter box. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Every week about this time, we try to encourage everyone listening to remember to spay and neuter. Because there are so many animals that, well, frankly, they're being put to sleep because they have no home. And and put to sleep is quite a nice term. Mm -hmm. But it must be working from animal people, top dog, Merritt Clifton, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Merritt. Howdy. How are you doing today? Well, ready to go, I guess. I hope so. <laughs> well, I'm very excited uh, in some respects to the latest shelter data that I've read in, in Animal People. When we started this radio show, there was about 5 million animals being euthanized uh, yearly in the shelters across the country. Now it's down to, according to you, about 3.7. I'm wondering, is that a real number or is that... Oh, per- yeah, it gets as solid as you can get. We plug into the estimate the hard data from communities that cover more than half of the total human population of the U.S., and we've been using the same method now for 13 years. So we have the historical data from most of these communities and actually can see the trends from year to year and have a reasonable expectation of where they're going. They've actually fallen a lot farther than just 5 million in the last 10, from 5 million to 3.7 in the last five years. The steepest drop was actually from 1970 to 1985. And the best way to measure this is in terms of numbers of dogs and cats killed in shelters per thousand Americans, because of course the U.S. population rose greatly and the pet keeping population just about doubled with the baby boom generation coming of age and taking dogs and cats into their homes. So the rate per thousand went from more than 23 in 1970 to currently 12.5. It's a drop of more than half in the rate, and the actual drop in terms of numbers of animals killed has been from around 18 million down to the current 3.7. A fantastic achievement, and it can really be explained in, in just one word, sterilization. The baby boom generation and uh, their offspring have sterilized their pets, and that's what's brought the numbers down. Merritt, uh, at this rate, when will I be out of business? I think you have a lot of things to cover besides 
of dog and, and cat overpopulation. Sure. We've actually reached the point where overpopulation is a bit of a misnomer because uh-huh. at this point, although the majority of cats coming in are feral cats and we're still born outside of homes, the majority of dogs coming in for quite a few years have been deliberately bred. You're talking about about 25% of the total dog intake being purebreds, who typically arrive about one year old when they prove to be more than the owners can handle. And currently also about half of the dogs coming in are pit bulls, and although they are not classified as purebreds for the most part, there's a few that are uh, actually purebred Staffordshire or American Bulldog or something, but the overwhelming majority are deliberately bred, even though they don't have a registration and a pedigree. So altogether, about 75% of the dogs, about 1.4 million uh, killed in shelters last year, uh, were deliberately bred. So the numbers are going down. Are you saying that the shelters are still euthanizing the majority of their animals or just getting less in because there's less well, being born? Actually, the euthanasia rate is such a misleading statistic it should be thrown out completely. Sometimes it's talked about the save rate, too. That doesn't tell you anything at all because what will happen as the number of accidental births in your community goes down, you're receiving fewer puppies and kittens, and so you're getting a population of animals that's much harder to place, and more of those will be the bite cases, the ones that have to be put down for testing to see if they have rabies, the ones that have advanced cancers and or have been hit by a car, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that where we are at the present point in time is that most of the dogs, about three-quarters of the dogs coming into shelters, were deliberate, deliberate births. They weren't accidents. They weren't overpopulation in the classic sense of an oops litter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many of those, about 750,000 pit bulls last year, and also about 750 to 700,000 other dogs, uh, were killed in shelters last year for various reasons. Of those, uh, maybe half to two-thirds could have been saved if there was somebody there to adopt them. The remainder are very hard cases that it would take extraordinary effort to save, such as somebody with security measures for keeping a dangerous dog that are way beyond anything that an ordinary pet keeper or an ordinary shelter is able to offer at this point in time, or extraordinary treatment for cancer and various other debilitating diseases that, again, the Although some animals get that kind of care, the humane community is still handling far too many animals to sure. give most of those animals that care. Mm-hmm. With every uh, silver lining, there's a there's a dark gray cloud, and there are there are a few cities. The actual numbers, the hard numbers, are printed in Animal People, and in just a second, we'll tell you how to pick up on Animal People. But there are some offenders that are still putting to sleep a great number of animals. Uh, Virginia, North Carolina, almost a quarter million. Uh, is that, the biggest look. disappointment to me is Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville had gotten down to where they were killing only about 20 animals per thousand about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and now they're back up to just under 30. They, 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 the Humane Society of, of, of the Tennessee Valley gave up the animal control contract and began doing high-volume sterilization, and the uh, city and county of Knoxville were going to run the pound, and they thought that they could save more animals than the Humane Society had, which had been occupying very crowded, very obsolescent premises. Instead, they went exactly backward, and the 
uh, number of animals being killed per thousand in Knoxville is now half again higher than he used to be. That's one of the biggest disappointments to me in all the time I've been doing this data. These numbers are in animal people. Now, this if, if you've never seen animal people, first of all, you're a big animal lover. You're not going to find this hardcore information in dog fancy or cat fancy <laughs> or any of those uh, publications. This is a publication that is uh, for the animal lover. It tells what's really going on. You're the voice of the animal. And if people want to pick up on this, how can they do that? Well, give me a call. I'll send you a free sample, 360-579-2505, or go on our website, www.animalpeoplenews.org. Merritt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Hal. That's all we have for this hour. Remember, there's lots more fresh animal radio streaming online 24-7 at animalradio.com or on your cell phone, any cell phone, any provider. Simply text animal to 27627. And remember, if you get a pet, please spay or neuter. If it happens to be a cat, don't declaw and always adopt from your shelter. Have a great week. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.